0: This weekend is uh, obviously about sports. We kind of have a sports theme going, Super Bowl. Got a lot of team stuff. And so we thought it would be fun for us to get our team up here and to kind of do team teaching this weekend. And, and so to get you, uh, as they come up, let me just um, let me just kind of do a survey of the audience. So have we found who's uh, 49ers fans in here? We have any 49ers fans in here? Okay. Okay. And then Chiefs fans, any Chiefs? Okay, a couple over there. Okay, who just doesn't care at all about Super Bowl? No, there we go. There we go. Good, 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 good.
1: I just heard a survey this week yeah. that the top four reasons people uh, go to Super Bowl parties. Number one is food. Number two is? Alcohol. Commercials, oh, okay. not alcohol. <laughs> I,
0: don't I don't know, man.
1: A... You're a pastor.
0: I'm <laughs> telling you what, why they need to be at church. <laughs> uh,
1: and three halftime shows. Halftime show. We didn't even know. Uh, number three was just hanging out with friends. There you go. And then fourth was the game. So...
0: Alcohol wasn't in there, huh? Wasn't in the top four. Okay. All right. They just couldn't remember it. <laughs> just kidding, remember that time. Anyway, okay, here we go. Uh, so I, I was reading an article this last week, and they were talking about the uh, the craziest fans in sports. And oh, by the way, I see our ushers waiting. We're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be giving back to God. So don't worry about that. If you're visiting with us, don't feel obligated to give just a part of uh, our stewardship. So I was reading an article, and um, of course, as everybody's getting ready for the Super Bowl, they were talking about fans and who um, who has the biggest fans and the craziest fans and what sports have the biggest fans. And, um, and so they were going through some examples. Of course, they show people who, you know, are painted up and they have crazy costumes on and all that. But the craziest fans in sports are soccer fans. They're the most dedicated, most hardcore. And so they showed some examples. One of them was a, a guy who he, he had his favorite team and he would wear their jersey all the time. And he was so committed that instead of wearing the jersey, he had his entire body tattooed as the jersey so he could wear it permanently which shows that's a real commitment right there. But my favorite one was uh, in Turkey, there was a soccer fan there and I don't, it didn't tell us uh, why, but he got kicked out and banned for a year from the stadium to watch his favorite soccer team. And he just couldn't, he could not bear to not see them for a year. And so he constructed in the parking lot, a crane that would lift him up above the stadium seats that he could see down and watch the soccer game, which I thought that is commitment right there. And so it doesn't matter what sports you're into or not into. You could be a fan of music and movies and whatever it is. There's, there's fans in pretty much every arena of life. Um, and it's also true of religion, is there are fans. And specifically when we're talking about Christianity, there's people who are fans of Jesus. In fact, um, I would argue that no matter who you are and no matter what you believe, that you are probably at least a fan of Jesus. At least a fan of Jesus, right? Yes. So I was listening to a debate, um, and this is kind of the, something that I'm really into, is apologetics. And so I was listening to a debate between an atheist and a Christian. And this atheist is really famous. He's one of the, what they call the four horsemen of new atheism. His name is Daniel Dennett, and he, uh, he's a, a very hardcore atheist, wrote these popular books about atheism. And he was talking about the existence of God and kind of debating this Christian, if God exists or not. And then they got to the issue of Jesus. And I was shocked by his response when they started talking about Jesus, of course, he didn't believe in the divinity and the resurrection and all that kind of stuff. But he said, I really admire him. He had a lot of good things to say. He seemed like a really good guy. And I thought if like one of the the world's foremost atheists think that Jesus is a really good guy, that he's a fan of Jesus, I think everybody's pretty much at least a fan of Jesus. Like we can admire him and who he is and what he had to say. Now, but here's the thing, wherever you're at in your faith journey, and if you're coming in here and you're like, I don't know what I believe, I don't know if I believe in God, I don't, I definitely don't believe in any of this stuff, I would say that you're at least a fan of Jesus. If you know anything about him, you at least appreciate what he has to say. Now, part of our job here is to take you from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus, because Jesus doesn't want just a bunch of people who say, I really like you and what you have to say, and you seem like a really solid guy, that's fine, that's great, and if that's a starting point, that's awesome, but... He wants us to go from being a fan to being a follower. In fact, we see this over and over again in the scriptures as Jesus would come to people and he would say, follow me. He said that over 20 times in the New Testament. and He only said, believe in me five times because it's not just about believing certain things about Jesus. It's about following Jesus. And so part of what we do here, and I'm just going to be right up front with you if you're visiting with us, is we want to turn you from a fan to a follower of Jesus. Okay, now it may take a long time, you may have a lot of questions, you may think that is ridiculous. I'm just telling you why we exist, is to turn you from a fan to a follower. And so uh, Jesus gives us, um, he gives us these examples, and he says there's really three types of people. I think there are fans, there are followers, and then there are fans who think they're followers. So there's, there's, there's fans who, if you're here and you're just checking it out, you're, you're just a fan. That's cool. Great. There's other of us who think, like, no, I'm a, I'm a follower. Like, I'm bought into this deal. I'm all about Jesus. My life is all about him. I am I'm committed to this thing, and we're a follower. But there's those of us who think that we're followers, but we're actually just fans. And one of the scariest verses in the New Testament talks about this idea that you think that you are a, uh, that you are a follower, but in fact, you're actually just a fan. It's in Matthew 7, 21, and, and I was even hesitant to share this verse, because I was like, man, it's Super Bowl, let's have some fun, but I'll just tell you it, okay, and then we'll, we'll see if we can make some sense of it. So here's what it says. Uh, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's like one of the most terrifying verses in the New Testament. I remember as a kid hearing that, and I was like, oh my goodness, that would be the worst. Is You think that you're you're a follower of Jesus, and then you see him face to face, and he goes, I never actually knew you. You were just a fan. You you weren't a follower of me. And he, he gives us a test. He says, here's how you know if you're a fan or you're a follower. He says, did you do the will of my Father? And so the, the, the kind of the image there is you have to believe, but you also have to, to act. That there's this two-part thing that you have to do in your faith. It's not just check off all the right theological boxes. It's, and I also live according to the things that I proclaim to believe. And so fans are oftentimes people who could be sitting in there and they could either not know what they think about Jesus, or they could say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but they haven't actually gotten in the game and so that's kind of what we want to talk about today, is we want people to get into the game. And we really do believe, and our slogan for the year is that Jesus changes everything. We believe that if you get in the game and you start living this faith, that He has not only changed human history, but He can change your life as well. And so um, this, this last week, we did our rooted kickoffs, and we had, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are rooted. And so there's about 700 people that are rooted. so we did two different days of kickoffs. And our Thursday group... Um, you know, they were a little bit more lively than our Sunday group, because Sunday's like nine o'clock, I get it. You know, we're just like, I barely got here. I don't even know who, like, who you are at this point. But our Thursday group, we came in and we're having fun and it's crazy and we packed out the warehouse and there's like three, 350 people in there. And so I'm, I'm telling some stories and I'm you know, having, a, having a good time and I say, you know what, let me tell you guys a funny story. And then the next line that I say is, let me tell you a funny story I went to the gym this last week, and this one group, that's what they did, that's what they, they thought that, that would be funny, is they started laughing out loud when I said I went to the gym this last week. I did not find that humorous at all. And I knew the group, and I knew the, the leaders of the group, and I knew who they were. And so the whole room just starts laughing, like, oh, hi, I went to the gym this last week. And I looked at the facilitator, and I said, you know what, I'm not even mad at you for laughing right now. I'm just happy that your hearing aid worked well enough for you to even hear me say that. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> and so I told him this story. I said, "I was at the gym. Not funny." And um, someone who is actually who's here last service. He's uh, in his 80s, and he came up to me. He goes to this church, and he, he got his bracelet that says Jesus changes everything. And he says, "Hey, I got to tell you, I love this bracelet. It's it's helping me have conversations with people about Jesus and, he said, in fact, one of my friends over here, we walk together every morning, and he's an atheist, and, and he just doesn't believe any of this stuff. And so he saw my bracelet, and he said, what is that? To, like, get like keep evil spirits away or something like that? Ridiculous. And without skipping a beat, he looked at me and said, no, it's a reminder for me to pray for you to come to church with me. And I said, yeah, get him. That's <laughs> what's up. So... Um, and so, so what we want to do here is, and if we follow this kind of the sports analogy, is we want to help you get in the game. We want to help you get in this faith game. And faith is a team sport. It's not a sport that you can do on your own. You have to be around the right people. And I explained to our, our Ruta groups this week who are jumping in and, and are part of this community, is I explained to them that faith is really two parts is, or this faith journey, is you got to have the the weekend where you get the information and inspiration, and that happens in rows, and that's what we're doing right now. We come together, and we worship, and we learn, but there's also this other part, which is then you have to get in circles, and you got to get in face-to-face conversations, and that's where transformation happens, and so if you try to do one and not the other, you're really not going to be able to grow, and so it's like going to the gym, and you go to the gym, and you work out really hard, and then you go directly from the gym to Dunkin' Donuts, you're probably not going to get where you want to go, It's because you have to do the eating healthy part and the exercising. And so you gotta have both. You gotta be here on the weekends and you gotta be in group life. And so if we continue on with the sports analogy is you gotta be a part of a team and you gotta have some coaches in your life. And so that's kind of what our jobs are is not because we're so smart and we know, but you gotta have a coach. And so God's called us this unique position to be pastors and directors and coaches along your, your faith journey. And so there's different types of coaches. There's the head coach, there's the defensive coordinator, and offensive coordinator, and strength and conditioning, and and everybody plays a role to help push the team forward. And you also got to know the playbook. And so we've been talking for a few weeks about what does the playbook look like for us as a team, as a church, where are we going? And so we've talked about this, this come in and build up and go out. And the come in part is what we're doing right now. And we hope to move you from being a fan to a follower. From being somebody who is on the outside, kind of looking in, trying to figure out this whole faith thing or figure out this church and the community to jumping in and being fully sold out for Christ and part of this, this team. But then once you do that, we want to start building up your faith. We want you to start to understand your faith a little bit better and have more trust in Christ and in, and in one another. And that's what these guys do. Is their jobs is to help you build up your faith. And I think it happens primarily in two ways. Is one, you gotta get around the right people, and then you gotta have the right tools. Tools and resources. And so I asked uh, Moy and Autumn to share with us a little bit. And Moy, part of his job is getting people into groups and surrounded by the right folks to help them become who they're supposed to be. And and his job, if you know, is uh, primarily in CR. So I asked him, yes. Oh, we got, a, we got a few people here from sure CR, up. yeah. And so I asked Moy to kind of share a little bit about what that looks like as, as they are becoming, uh, as they're growing in their teams. Awesome,
2: good. So uh, it, I did play sports in high school. Just, I know it doesn't look like it, but I did. Wait, I wait, wait, football.
0: wait. I think we have a picture. Oh, do we? Yeah, I think we have a picture oh, of, of, yeah, like, of, yeah oh, playing. there you are.
2: That's me. I think I'm seven years old playing t-ball,
0: yeah. Yeah, yep. wait, 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 wait. We have more pictures. What? Yeah, yeah, we have more pictures. Autumn, I have that's a couple right. of pictures of you oh. um, that I'd like to share that you see. There, no, that's not, that's not, that's not Autumn. That's, there we go. Aww.
2: Aww.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Now one. here's what's great. Doyle sent in his pictures. of, Oh, here's how I am, all studly and stuff. I found a better picture, I think, of him playing basketball. Just put the yeah. Ooh. Hey yo, Ooh. those are short shorts. Woo-hoo. Look at those legs. Who wear short shorts? <laughs> Doyle I'm just, wears I'm short just shorts. happy it
1: wasn't in black and white. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, there it is, black and white. <laughs> is that Cody? No, I but known. I do have one of me, actually. Oh. Hey, oh. ah. The Dolphins, oh, wow. yes! Hey, oh, ladies' <laughs> man. In Mickey Mouse glasses, I remember ah, those. That's right, that's right. Wow. I was a stud from day one.
1: Wow. You thought you were from day one, I think.
3: <laughs> Amy's a lucky lady. <laughs> I know.
2: All right, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> The, the build-up piece, right? The build-up piece. So we get to build up. Uh, man, uh, James, there's a scripture in, in James. It's James 5.16, and it says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And so um, when it comes to Celebrate Recovery, there's a lot of stigma. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that people that have never been or attended or even conversations of, uh, you know, you'll hear that phrase of those people, th- those other people, and this and that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think they're owning it. <laughs>
2: right. Um but uh just this verse is, is it's so simple. It's what we're called to do. Therefore confess your sins one to another. And so some of you guys know my story. For those of you who don't know, um as a as a child of 5 years old, um I was I was abused um uh, at the age of 5 and all of that happened to me uh even, even at the age of five, I felt that if I told anybody that I would get in trouble, and as I got older and older, um, the, the thoughts in my head were, you know what, hold on to that secret because honestly, it could have been worse, um, it wasn't that big of a deal, and so, and so always kind of minimizing um, my story and what had happened to me. So, but what that did is see, growing up in the church as a pastor's kid with an amazing family, I've got an awesome dad, awesome mom, and a great community, and having those God moments, you know, those moments throughout my life where I had a moment with Jesus, um, accepting Him, following Him, getting baptized, going through Christian life in every aspect of, of growing in, in, in community, and yet there was this secret that I was holding on to. And that secret, um, it, it it caused anger and resentment. And that resentment caused rage. And so fast forward to all of a sudden, you know, I meet the most beautiful woman that I've ever met. I'm, we get married and we're like, man, your parents have been married 30 years. My parents have been married 30 years. This is going to be easy. And two years into our marriage, that anger begins to pop up. And it's so dysfunctional and it's so crazy that it's just destroying us. And it wasn't but... By the grace of God and his mercy and us latching on to the body of Christ, right? And, and digging into the build-up thing that we talk about um, and, and, and me coming out of denial and me stopping listening to those voices that told me it's not that big of a deal and, 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 and being honest with, with, with what my hurt was, right? So CR, we talk about hurts, um, hang-ups, and habits, and so often we want to uh, gauge everything based on the habit, but we fail to understand that that, that habit came from a hurt. And so um, I've got another story. There's a story of the two Ramonas. All right, I'm uh, I'm, I'm crafting the story. It's it's grown, I think, uh, and I've added to it through the through the services. But uh, it now has a name. It's the story of the two Ramonas. And it's two ladies who live, um, let's say, in Cyprus. Okay? And one of them lives lives in the east and the other one lives in the west. And they live the identical life. They look the same. They smile the same. Their husbands wear the same uh, clothes. They've got the same amount of kids. Their schedule when they wake up in the morning and when they go to bed, it's just the same all around. The identical Ramonas. And so um, one afternoon... Uh, they are in the kitchen, each in their own, one in the east and one in the west, and they get mad and so angry at their husbands. And so they run into the kitchen, they open a cupboard, and they grab a dish, and as the husband is walking away, both of them at the same time, one in the east and one in the west, take the dish and chuck it at the back of, of the husband's head. The lady, Ramona, in the west, misses, like some of you guys did, The the impossible shot.
0: Mm, so this story sounds familiar, Doyle. This story <laughs> sounds familiar, yeah. Keep listening. Oh. And, the,
2: and the other one, the other one actually hits husband in the back of the head, knocks him out, and ends up doing 25 to prison, uh, 25 to life in prison. You've got, you've got two people who struggle with the same anger, and the only difference with them is that one of them has really good aim, and the other one has really bad aim. And yet, the anger that caused them to do the act of throwing and, and, and acting out on their anger, um, it's, the, it's the same thing. It, they, they both were attacked, the same thing. The enemy had them and, and got a hold of them in the same way. And so, um, there's a scripture that says, right, that our battle is not against flesh and blood right? But that we battle against against the principalities, that there's this spiritual world, there's a spiritual battle, and in it we're fighting for who we are. And as we get real with ourselves and as we get real with God and as we get real with others, right? Because James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And so that's what Celebrate Recovery does. Um, we go through the 12 steps, but we go through the 12 steps and the biblical comparison. So it's God's scripture revealing to us how it was, and, and, and so you've got the hurt, and from the hurt, then you get the hang-up because then you believe certain things. Um, for me, it was... I always wanted to protect the five-year-old. If I ever felt like I was getting taken advantage of, I just wanted to punch somebody in the face. That, that's a hang-up and a belief and a lie that I believed uh, from the enemy. And, and, and so as I walk through this thing that we call recovery, oh, and so for those of you that have been around the church for a long time, and there's another word for that. It, it, it's, it's sanctification. That's the build-up, okay? As we build up, we are sanctified and we're becoming sanctified what God is making us. And you don't do that alone. You do it together. We, we can't fix ourselves by ourselves, and, and we can begin to walk in God's purpose for our lives together. And so that's one of the things that, that CR does. We do it through step studies, which we've got one coming up February 18th. Sign up. It'll change your life. Um, and, and we do it through uh, just being real and confessing and not walking around like we have it all together. There's a lot of us... Uh, that are walking around uh, with the habits. And we just, we just, like the second Ramona, we just haven't been caught or we've got a bad aim or we're too scared to actually follow through with our thoughts. And so it's fear that's holding us back. And so let's stop gauging life on a, on a, on a physical realm and remember that there's a spiritual battle. Okay, thanks.
1: Good.
0: So, so a part of the buildup is you got to get on a team you got to get surrounded by the right people You can't do faith alone, but you also have to get the right resources and tools. And so that that's true in sports and it's true in the faith world as well. And So I wanted uh, Autumn to share a little bit about what are the tools and resources that we're going to need.
3: Yeah, so uh, I may not also look at, uh, I think that's kind of a common theme, but I played a lot of sports growing up. And so in high school, uh, my sport was soccer. And um, I had played soccer my whole life, and I get to high school, and they do this thing like when you're a freshman during the summer of your freshman year. Now they have a nice word for it. It's camp. You get to go to soccer camp. Um, But my school, they called it what it was, and they called it um, Heck Week. Uh Uh And so um, I knew what I was in for when when the first day the coach looked at us, and he said, the first one of you who throws up this morning, I'm going to buy you an ice cream. And so we knew it was going to be rough, and so we spent that whole day focusing, the whole week, focusing on strength and conditioning. So lifting weights, sit-ups, running, all this crazy stuff that had nothing to do with the game that I loved. And then I got into my first game, and within the first five minutes, this big old girl comes up, and she does something awful to me. She, like, knocked me to the ground, and I, like, she slide-tackled me. And I, like, rolled across the field, and I thought, wait a minute. This isn't a game, this is a battle. And the good thing for me is God made me for battles (laughs) because I'm a little bit aggressive and I'm a little bit competitive. And so um, I thought, well, that's what all that strength and conditioning was for. God or my coach had made me strong. And so I got up and that girl was running away with my ball. And so I went and I knocked her down and I took my ball back. And that's (laughs) what my strength and conditioning had done for me. And Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says that when we learn to put our hope in the Lord, he will renew our strength he will strength he will give us wings like eagles we will run and not be weary and so that's what we do in build up here is we get you in the word and rooted you are going to be in the word every day in your Bible classes we are going to give you assignments that you go home and you read and you pray and that is going to build up your spiritual muscle so that when you get knocked down you can run and take back the ground that has been taken from you because you have the strength and condition. Um, from the the daily exercise that you have done. Yeah, Preach, Thanks, girl. So the second thing that we give you is we give you just skills. You need the skills to pay the bills. I
0: <laughs> so <anticipated>. cool.
3: <laughs> I know. I'm young. Um, so yeah. So no, the skills that you need are going to be those. You know, in sports, you go out and, and you get like five minutes in the game. I wasn't really that good in sports. I played a lot of them, but I just wasn't very good. So I'd get like maybe five minutes in a game. And so when the shot came my way, when the pass came my way, I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to be able to drive it in the goal, which apparently I didn't do because I didn't get to play very much (laughs) because I probably would have. But anyway, in your spiritual life, I'm hopefully doing a little bit better at that Um, when you you never know when a pass is going to come your way. This week, uh, my nephew, who's an awesome, awesome young man, loves the Lord, um, he's been learning about spiritual things in school, uh, the history of religion, and he came and he's like, hey, they're teaching us about Buddha and Muhammad. Is there any way that we can actually historically prove that Jesus existed? And so we're like, sweet, this is like a softball. We can hit this one out of the park because we had trained, we had done the classes, we had done our apologetics. We have a whole session of Rooted that is just dedicated to training you how to answer those tough questions because you never know when they're going to come up. So we sat our poor little nephew down and told him about Josephus and about all of the history of, you know, every, all of the things that had been written about Jesus. He is the most historically reliably, we can prove that he existed more than anyone else in history. Yes, Jesus historically existed. And so you need to have those skills so that, you know, uh, Peter says that, um, we need to be prepared to have an answer when anyone asks us um, what, for the reasons of the faith that we have. And so we need to be ready. And, and you're not going to get ready just sitting here. You got to get into a group and you got to learn. You got to study. You got to do all of that stuff. And so we are here to help you with that. And then the last thing is. Um, I know a lot of you guys have been really saddened this week and um, our, our our hearts and our condolences go out to the Bryant family. Uh, Kobe uh, and his daughter passed away this week along with the, all of the other families in that helicopter crash. Um, but one of the things that he left us with is a, a, a phrase that he coined and it's called the Mamba mentality, okay? And, and what this is, is this is, it doesn't matter what the game looks like. You could be 100 points ahead, you could be 100 points behind, you are in it. When you are in the game, Again, it is a battleground, and you are fighting with everything that is in you. And um, unfortunately, I have a lot of experience in this area. Um, I played uh, four different sports in high school. Every single season that I could play, I played a sport. Uh, so that equals out to about 240 games. And I won a grand total. Well, no, let's just say I lost a grand total of two hundred and thirty nine <laughs> of those games. There,
2: there's a group for that.
3: <laughs> I, I need that. it. I need it. Yeah. So. So you. Uh,
0: it's called I mean, Let's math, not. Let's it's not called not. math club. <laughs>
3: hey. She's a mathlete. Hey. Um, I was a mathlete.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not a surprise. Um, I don't want to gloss over this very serious point that you lost 239 out of 240 games. Yes. yes. Um, but I just imagine that you must have just just killed it that one game, right? You just mm-hmm. must have played your little heart out and you just did so good. And that was an incredible victory.
3: I played my heart out every game, but I do have to say that game, uh, it was down to the last you know, couple minutes of the game and it was zero, zero. And the other team had the ball in their goal area and they made a mistake and kicked it into their own goal.
2: <laughs> Out <the> goal!
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Moy, did you play any other sports besides football?
2: Come on, Adam, you said you weren't going to say it.
0: <laughs> I, Moy let something slip uh, that he shouldn't have, which okay, is, in he college, not only played I, football, he also was...
2: I got some scholarship money for, for cheerleading, okay? <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> We we actually won games, so
3: <laughs> from from cheering on the side, that's what won the <laughs> That's what I believe. Okay, awesome. Okay, so anyway, the point of all of this is that um, what is the point? Mama mentality. Okay, uh, so in James, James says to us, he says um, that you're gonna face trials in your life, and that those trials, what they're gonna do as you face them, you are gonna uh, it's gonna produce perseverance, and then that perseverance, as you persevere through the trials, it's gonna produce maturity in you. And so in those 239 losses, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I wanted to quit. But I would look at my teammates and the reason, they were the reason I was there. They were the reasons I couldn't look at, I couldn't let them down. I couldn't let them lose by themselves. I'd bear the shame along with them. And then I had parents sitting in the stands who somehow never told me not to play another season. They just suffered gluttons for punishment. They sat through all of my games and they would not let me quit. I wanted to quit and they said, no, we will not let you quit. And that's what we're gonna do with you when you get into our group And when when you're building up, you're going to be on a team and you're going to say, I want to quit. This trial is too hard for me. And you're going to look at your team and you're going to say, they're in it with me. I am not going to let them down. And then we're going to give you spiritual mothers and fathers and sisters. And they're going to say, no, we're not letting you out of the game. This is a battle. You're going to leave us behind. You cannot quit. So that... When you are facing that trial and you get knocked down, you're gonna stand up and you're gonna run down the field and you're gonna knock that girl out of your way and you're gonna take your ball back.
2: So, there you go. Spiritually speaking. Yeah.
1: I think you know what to pray for now. I'm working with a staff that throws plates, throws up, okay. and slide uh, tackles. And throws tackles. skulls, I
0: think, is oh. what you were.
1: Oh! One time, big deal. Uh, Twice, he did it twice. Twice today. All the the weekends, all the Super Bowl weekends, I've beat him this one time. You're only as good as your last game, buddy. (laughs) 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 Hey, listen, these guys are super passionate about helping you grow. Sometimes it's in really difficult circumstances when you've got something hard to deal with. Sometimes you just need to know an answer because you've got someone you love and care about that don't know Jesus, and you need an answer. And these guys want to equip you to do that. Let me tell you what I'm fired up about. We talk about come in, we talk about build up, and I am excited about, I'm really passionate about the go out part. Because at the end of the day, if all we do is fill our heads and fill our hearts and don't change anything in the world, I don't think we've lived up to what God wants for us. I think that he came to reconcile us to himself. To forgive us for all that that we've done wrong. To help us know him in order to help somebody else experience the same thing. Because I am fully convinced Jesus changes everything. I'm fully convinced that when marriages are breaking down and they need healing and they need hope that Jesus is the answer. I'm fully convinced that when your kids take a left turn and you're not quite sure what to do with them, that other Christian believers can come alongside and can help you and can encourage you to stick with it, not to give up. I'm fully convinced that you and I, on a daily basis, uh, interact with people that God put there strategically so that we could have input into their life. And if we go through life thinking it's just about us, it's just about what we get out of the deal, we're missing the point. Come in, build up, and go out and make a difference. Go out and share God's love in some way. It might be as simple as, hey, I've been praying you'd come to church with me. It might be as simple as saying, I, I noticed you so I ran into a, a person at a, at, a, at a store the other day was waiting on me and I could tell she was upset. And I just, I just paused and said, are you okay? And she she didn't want to talk about it, I could tell, but I could tell she also was glad that I asked. And I just thought, I don't know what God's going to do with that. But you know what? I think he's going to do something with that. You see, there are little coincidences in your life that aren't coincidences at all. They are missional for you. When you leave this place, you shouldn't leave here going, okay, I feel better about me. You should go, you know what? I'm ready now. I am ready, and I'm going to go out, and God's going to have some appointments for me. I don't know what they're going to be, but I'm excited to see what they are, mm. right? So growing up in Chicago, we had a saying, and it was get a mitt and get in the game, right? Get a glove. The coach looks it, get a glove, get in the game. I think that God wants you in the game, not just the game of, of, of what we do here at the church, the game of what God is doing in the world. He wants you in that game, and you are a part of this team. This is not my church. This is not our church. This is our church, and it's his church, and we're a team, okay? So there's going to be a big football game today, a big football game in which uh, a few dozen guys are going to be exhausted. They're going to be exhausted and sweating and wish they could just sit down for a few minutes and have a snack, and then there are going to be millions of people, literally snacking, sitting down, <laughs> who should be exercising, <laughs> And this is the picture of the church. Ah,
0: that was funny until you said that.
1: Actually, I do believe that many of us misunderstand the joy of Christianity. The joy is is not just growing and learning. It is being who God created you to be and impacting the world God created you to impact. There are people in your life, I'll never get a chance to talk to, they'll never get a chance to talk to you. You have an incredible opportunity and so I say to you, get a mitt, get in the game. It is the absolute funnest part of Christianity. It is the funnest part. Is when you begin to see, have conversations, you go, well, I didn't expect that. Where did that come from? And all of a sudden you go, oh, God set that up. And you begin to anticipate your day thinking, God, what are you going to set up today? What are you going to do today? That's what it means to be on the team and in the game. And that's what we want for every one of you. And that's what we're trying to live out personally as well as equipping you to do that. So to admit, get in the game. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you that you called us to be on your team. Lord, those 20 times you said, follow me. You weren't just saying following your teaching, following your ideas, following your theology. You were also saying, follow you. And that wasn't to just an individual. It was to your people to come and follow you, to be on a team. And that team has literally in the last 2000 years turned the world upside down, but we're not done yet. Until every marriage is healed, and every parent and child are reconciled, and everyone knows why they're on this planet, and they're experiencing and walking in your love, until that happens, the game is not over, Lord God. The team is still needed, and you still want us to have an impact. And so today, Lord... I pray that you, if you tweak anything in anybody in this room, if just for a moment somebody thought, you know, maybe I am a fan and not a follower. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to follow through on that, that thought and to examine themselves and maybe have a prayer, talk to a friend. Lord God, if there are people sitting in this room who know that they have a next step in the cutting edge of their faith, they need some healing, they need some hope, they need some, some skills. They need to have some understanding. Pray that you give them the courage to step into that and to explore that. And Lord, for every one of us, I believe you have divine appointments waiting for us this week. Help us anticipate those with great joy, with great excitement, with dependency on you. And Lord God, help us get in the game. In Jesus' name, amen.